Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Hello, 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 everyone. Welcome to the live Hockey Buzzcast. Now, to Russ. All right, let's talk um, a smidgen here of NFL. Uh, I'm going to give an update on this Ravens game. Even Eck, I think, will be appalled. Right now, Eck, there's 20 guys on the COVID list. Seven of them are starters. Three more expected to be added. They still had positive tests as of yesterday. They're still thinking about playing tomorrow where this game has already been preempted twice. And there's snow in the forecast (laughs) when they're supposed to fly into Pittsburgh tomorrow. Tell me why they're playing this game again. (laughs) Well, I, like like I said to you, hey, snow games are always fun. Yeah, but all right, so especially if you got a hundred and four degree fever and COVID. Let's so let's go now to yesterday's game, which probably nobody watched with the Saints and Broncos, where they lost all four quarterbacks. Okay, let let <laughs> let, let me let me because I we unfortunately got that game on the on our Fox broadcast, and I just as like you know somebody who likes to watch train wrecks, I wanted to watch this game just for a little bit to see how bad it was. And this guy Hinton, who was the quarterback, is was a quarterback at Wake Forest, and he was I think he was converted to a wide receiver in his senior year, so he didn't even play quarterback as a senior in right. the in college, and he was horrible. I mean, he was so bad. But this this is the thing that I found out after the fact that is totally and utterly ridiculous. The NFL refused to move this game from Sunday to Monday. And why did the Broncos want this game moved from Sunday to Monday? Because the window in terms of the negative tests for the four quarterbacks would have passed on Monday. Right. And all of them are negative right now. And if right. they would have pushed the game to Monday, then they would have had Drew Locke or one of the quarterbacks. But they said because Man. That would affect, you know, the game. We don't care about that. It's it's a it's the it's the rate of infection. If people keep getting infected, then we'll move the game forward. It's so friggin' stupid. Well, the other the other thing is, and so to finish that one up, they did say that today they don't have any positives. Um, so that would have been a correct move. And and this is why, like, some fans were like, well, you know, they deserve to play with no quarterback because you know their guy didn't wear a mask or whatever. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> I get what you're saying, but the idea is if a league's plan is is destined to fail, you can't really hold the players responsible for a bad plan. And that's what it is. This whole plan is bad. That's why I wrote an article saying they should stop the league for two weeks now and then regroup and come back. And this is just feeding into the start of that. But at the end of the day, right now, this other game is going to be a problem. They handed the Saints a win. They probably killed the Broncos' playoff chances with that game. Yeah. And this season's totally marred. And the Jets are perfect 0 11. So all is well. <laughs> all is well. Perfect 0 11. Uh, man. Well, you know, you know, if, they, if they, the feeling is definitely that if they stop for two weeks, they'll never start again, right? That's like, yeah, right. you can. And, and even, yeah. even if you have to do it in a bubble, even if they say, you know what? We've decided now we're going to do it at two locations yeah. and we're going to play four times a week. I mean, they can do it. There's a way. Yeah. Russ, they're that's not really doing it. They should do it. They're, they're not going to do it. 
I, 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 like they are in danger of. Oh, I know. But I'm, I'm just saying they blow up on them. They, yeah. they are they are going to fight through until they can't fight through because it's the almighty dollar they're getting. I know, but they you know what? It's funny. The the virus doesn't care how many dollars you throw at it. I get that. It is the what the owners do. I know it's the expertise behind it, but it's almost too hard of a fight for any league to fight right now. I agree. Yeah. And that's the problem. Yeah. You know, I mean, it, and it's funny because not funny, but I'm on a chat group locally here, you know, and there's the whole, the whole controversy in our area is about the kids, the kids, you know, and about whether they should go to school or not, you know, and whether they should be homeschooled or whether, I mean, whether they should be, you know, remotely schooled, which I think is absolutely what they should be doing beyond doubt. That doesn't make any sense not to do it. I know it's hard. I know it sucks. It's not the best thing, but still, come on. Um, but you know, there's a forum, you know, where yesterday they were holding, uh, you know, teach, some teachers are freaking out and I get it in some situations because people are, you know, if, if you, if you, if you don't work at home and you've got kids like, you know, younger kids, like the really small kids are going to school, but we're talking about like the high school and the, the older school kids, you mm -hmm. know, they should be held back. They should just be held back to do, to do virtual learning. The virtual learning amazing. These kids are not, it's not like these kids aren't used to working in front of computers. It's not like a big deal to them at all. It's not fun, but it's safe. And yet, yeah, you know, their whole, whole argument is, well, kids don't, you know, transmit disease. The kids don't get the disease. It is just like is this. Well, is, no, they, they get the disease. They don't get killed by the disease. Right. And they, but they do transmit the disease. They do spread it around. And the sure. reason the reason that more kids haven't spread, there, there aren't, you know, there, there aren't statistics of many kids spreading as teachers. Well, think about that for a second. Most of that, that's because most of the, the indignation has been has been virtual all year and it's it's like so yesterday they hold a rally to try to get all the teach all the parents who want the teachers or all the parents who are trying to force the school board to send them back right they, they decide that they put out there they're holding a rally at the high school um you know you have to be in your cars you know okay so just, and just think about that for a second you know just think about the concept they're, they're socially distanced rally to say that kids should go back to school you know like i'm <laughs> just sitting there and saying well, yeah, it's good that they're socially distancing, but don't they get the point here? Don't they get the idea that, you know, if they can't themselves go to the school and just be there, how do they expect to send their kids going there? That's know. a fair point. We got one more thing, XO, with that Tyson exhibition oh. the other day with Roy Jones. Um, here's here's an interesting thing. So however much money he fleeced out of people to see a uh, aging boxer fight, a no-rules fight, a no-win fight, a not-scored fight, is ridiculous. Um, he apparently had to lose 140 pounds just to be able to come in at some sort of weight. And everybody's like, oh, he looks great. He can move and he can do this. And he's just a little older than Foreman, except here's the difference. This was a WBO fight. And the WBO said, well, we're not going to have judges there. So there's no winner or no loser. Right. But if it was a real WBO fight, they use WADA testing. Oh, man. So they would drug test him, and he would fail in a minute. He already admitted after the fight that he smoked pot before the fight, which is fine, but he is going to have to adhere to rules if he actually wanted to fight for a living, UFC included. He can't do that. People no. don't realize Mike Tyson can't do that. And so for people that think he could fight, even his 240 is not even the minimum weight anymore for a heavyweight. Heavyweights are around 249 now, and then they have super heavyweights too. So even now, looking as good as he looks, 
That's like a minimum weight for a heavyweight. He's going to get killed if he goes in a ring with anybody who could box. He's so, not. He's not going to. If, he does, if just, he does it, he's stupid. I just have to say one more thing about that because I, I, I fell asleep watching it. That's how bored I was. I saw highlights. Yeah. I, I, I watched. I watched one of the one of the one of the preliminary bouts, and if so, I would like to know who told former NBA player Nate Robinson <laughs> to go into the boxing ring. He got destroyed by some guy named, I think it was Jake Paul. Yeah, apparently yeah, he's some YouTuber. Jake Paul's a very, very, very popular YouTuber. My darling. Well, guess what, though? If he goes up against Evander Kane, he will get the snot knocked out well, of him. Yeah. He'd be an Nate, idiot to do that. Nate, Nate Robinson got hit with a with a right hand and went down like a sack of wet cement. Yeah, because he's probably never been hit in his life. Oh, my God. It was, it was embarrassing. So but You don't want to fight a hockey player. You don't. No. I mean, again, whoever this YouTuber guy is that has, you know, some boxing talent, and I don't even want to say it's talent because he probably just, just a punk, spars yeah. a little. He's He'll a get killed. He's a punk man, I've seen his stuff. It's it's the most ridiculous stuff in the world. I yeah. want to see Conor McGregor against Jake Paul. <laughs> you wouldn't, it wouldn't even last 10 seconds. Nope. All right, let's get going here. All right. All right, we are the 30th of November. Yes. Hello, Hockey World. It is Monday, November 30th, 2020. I'm Michael Agello, and we're one day away from entering the last month of 2020, and thank God. I'm Russ Cohen, and I've got a good piece of trivia. Uh, the Jets defensive coordinator, Greg Williams, was the defensive coordinator for an 0-16 team, and he's got a chance to do it twice now with the Jets. He would be the only defensive coordinator to go 0-16 twice, actually any coach to go 0-16 twice in NFL history. Was that Cleveland? Yeah, I think so. And I'm Eklund, and you're watching Hockey Buzzcast on HockeyBuzz.com. This is the podcast that comes every Monday through Friday at this time to fill you in on the comings and goings in the hockey world. And I've got a little bit of good news, I think, to start with um, that I was just talking to someone about. Apparently, um, a bunch of teams now, um, like we don't know what's happening. That we're, we're, You're hearing a lot of that there's no discussions at all going on between the NHL and the NHLPA. Yep. I'm not buying it at all. At okay. All. At all. And just because of things I've heard and other things. And I think that they're trying to keep it under the radar. I think they don't want this to be like a, you know, a situation that gets blown out of proportion in the media. Um, I, I think they have been talking and proof to this may be that like two or three teams, the blue jackets are one of them, um, you know, terminated like loan contracts to players and told them to come back. That, like players that were over in Europe. Right. When that, when that happens, you know, that blue jackets are a team that's not, they can't afford to do that unless they have something that they know is going to happen. Right. This is a situation where I think they think that you're starting to see little things come out that, that there is a there there is an end to this whole thing in sight. Well, let me provide some supporting information for that because I, I uh, listening to uh, the Thirty One Thoughts podcast with Elliot Friedman and Jeff Merrick. Uh, Friedman said that um, there, you know, Bill Daly was supposed to make a, a, a radio appearance in Toronto last week, and he uh, he canceled it like an hour before. Yeah. And the the interpretation of that was. He didn't want to sort of play out things in the yeah. media like yeah. they were played out with baseball, Russ, with yeah. uh, with Manfred and everything, yeah. press releases. You know, th this is a very sensitive situation. The players are pissed off. We know that they're pissed off. Um, there's yeah. going to be some sort of negotiation going back and forth here, but I don't think they want to fight it out in the press. I think they want to fight it out privately and get it done privately. Yeah, I think that's and I think that's happening. It'll get into the press though if it stalls again. That's yes. the problem, right? Well, the, you know, the press is the, is a tool, right? In the, in this situation, and that's uh, what's going to happen. 
yeah. someone from the player side will leak it before someone from the league. And if someone from the player side gets frustrated, like yeah. if we're all of a sudden at Friday and they haven't, you know, come to a conclusion or met in person, which is entirely possible. Right. Um, then I think you'll still see some leaks. Well, the one, the one, uh, another thing that was, that was interesting that Friedman mentioned was the fact that the, the thought is out there that training camps might be a lot shorter than people than they normally are. And that people think, because there probably won't be any exhibition games or at most one, because yeah, it's probably going to be one there's there, there are no fans. So they can't make money off those preseason right. games. And these players, uh, according to, uh, we saw uh, the thing from Aaron Port's line, but a lot of, a lot of players are, and, uh, and teams are skating already. So yeah. together already. So they're they're sort of ramping up for what they're getting ready for. Like guys like Joe Thornton are still over in Switzerland, but you know, he can come over in a in a few minutes in, in a few days. Right. Yeah. No, that's definitely that that is I, I completely agree. I completely agree. I think I think we're really looking at something, um something that's gonna get done pretty quickly. Uh and I, and what, I really, what do you say pretty quickly? Because I don't think we're gonna I mean, hear anything until Thursday or Friday, and I, I'm doubtful it gets done this week. I am. Uh I just, I, I just, just, just the vibe I'm getting from people. Um, just a gut feeling, okay. Yeah, like, I mean, it might be right, and and logically, I would say you're right too. I would think the same way, but um, if it gets from, if, it, if it gets done this week, January one is still possible. Right, but even Funky's got a good point. Like players on the Red Wings, players on the other seven, six teams that we talked about, they're going to be not in, even close to game shape if they haven't been playing somewhere, and. That is not going to help them. It's going to impact them again on this season. Yeah. I would like to see there be some sort of resolution for them because it really is unfair. It's already bad that they're not great teams, but to not start off on good footing yeah. really hurts them. Those yeah. those teams are getting screwed. But you're seeing, you are seeing a lot of those teams finding ways to work out, not necessarily completely together. I mean, with these guys, it's really a matter of timing. It's a matter of a wind, you know, like getting yeah. certain things together. They have, I mean, it's not a matter of, I mean, there's certain things that they can just do. They're hockey players. They're, yeah, they're, they're veterans. But if you have a first-year player or a second-year player and they yeah. haven't been sent somewhere, they're going to struggle a bit. They're going to struggle, and they're especially going to struggle with the speed of the game unless they get used to it a little bit more in practice. I mean, the speed of the game is you can't just shift up into it. You know, no. it's hard to just step up into it. Um, it would be like stepping up into the speed of a pickleball game. For, for <laughs> All right. All right. <laughs> Check out Facebook if you're here. No comments. I'm not making any <laughs> comments. No comments. That was funny. Um, <laughs> one, one, other, one other thing. Yeah. Because um, we don't know what they're going to be. What they're going to be negotiating. Obviously, the play, the, the the owners are saying we need this to be, make make things financially viable. I saw something. Was it Larry Brooks Russ that said yeah. something? Like, Get the three hundred million dollars from Seattle. Was yeah, Seattle paying? They're not paying a lump sum of five hundred million. Let They're Seattle front you the money. Like it sounds decent, but you're right. They may not have that money up front. They yeah. may have their loan secured in such a way that it doesn't kick in even until then. So it's just a pipe dream, and it wasn't going to happen. No, but the but the thing the thing that uh, that again Friedman mentioned that I, I if I'm the if I'm the players, this is something that I I definitely would address with the owners. Okay. You need more revenue, so let's open revenue streams like advertising yeah. on jerseys, yeah, yeah. like expanding the playoffs, and that is what you get in terms of. Well, we'll give you this, but you give us that because then you're growing revenue. And I, I, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I don't care how much Bettman res resists 
expanded playoffs. Expanded playoffs are good, especially when you have a 32-team league. Having 20 in the playoffs and having a play-in round is not a bad thing. Yeah, no, okay, but here's the thing, and this is this is why we have two sides that always have a little bit of a disagreement. So it came out over the weekend. Um, someone named it's just Sam, but she's Samantha. I don't know what her last name is. Put out a um, a thread, not a thread, but a piece of an article that appeared somewhere that NHL Enterprises Canada LP got four million bucks from the Canadian government from Alberta. Yeah, and that four million bucks, what is that? Yeah, is it hockey related revenue? Is it like what is that? That to me is what we talked about. What we've been talking about for a long time. That that is local area governments helping out their you know their teams to keep them keep them you know keep them there basically <laughs> basically to keep them alive you know like we're looking at a yeah. situation you know it's it's bad even in some canadian cities it's it's not easy you know I right mean, don't you understand like from the player side they're like hey you got this four million bucks and this company called nhl enterprises lp swallowed it up do are yeah. we getting a portion of that like are I we mean, i i know that i know that like the NBC yeah. contract or the Sportsnet contract or the TSN regional contract is hockey-related revenue. Is, say, for example, the Leafs radio contract or the Leafs local broadcast, are those hockey-related revenue? Yeah. They do know. They have – this is something they've really hammered out. Like, th there right. are issues that um, still – the players don't have as much of as they'd like, which is things like parking or, you know, um, and we know that expansion, stuff like that, but almost everything else. I mean, this is something they really have hammered out a lot. Yeah. Every, no, actually one. progress. Alberta is the place that did this report, but it does show act that not all of it has been hammered out. Cause when stuff like this gets, I mean, leaked, I mean well, of course there's always new things, but they, um, yeah. they, and they, and they, and then that goes, usually goes to, a, they goes to a committee. They, they meet together and they decide, um, but that is, I was talking to Tom Layla about that the other day because I had the same exact question. I'm like, you know, what is hockey-related revenue? And that is something that they definitely, at first, there's no question when we first signed the this this deal to have a revenue share, that was a huge problem. Yes. But over time, that, that a lot of that has been hammered out. A not, lot. That they still, not that they still can't <laughs> hide money. I'm not saying the NHL player team still can't hide money because I'm sure they can. I'm sure. Yeah, I'm not even talking about hiding money. I'm just saying – you know, there's this instance where they got money from the Canadian government. There may be other instances in the future. Like, those are the kinds of things you need to lock down. Otherwise, they cause arguments. Yeah, that's true. All right, let's get into some rumors, some more fun maybe other than that. Um, yeah, um, let's, let's, start with, let's start with the one I you, know. you always love. Um, but we'll, we'll, let's actually and, – and it's been going on forever, and we've had this discussion many times before. Yes. I'm glad to see that Mike has probably changed his opinion since then. Um and uh, the knee the knee talk with the flyers involving sanheim and uh this has continued on now there i like i wrote in my blog today um these teams are very much in communication not like constantly but the, this is this is something that i've gotten impressions from people on both sides that is that is there for them in the contingency world that they can go back to they've discussed how this could possibly work how this could possibly happen even the extra pieces that might be involved even some salary things that may be involved um and, you know, and I get this, I get the definite, definite concept here that, you know, the Leafs aren't going to trade him right now. Um, they're not going to, and, and they've been saying this, Dubas has been saying they're going in with their core right now. Um, and they shouldn't because they have some good defensemen that they brought in. Um, you know, I love the, I love the kid that they're bringing in from the Russian league. Um, 
I think that they're going to have some really interesting defensemen. But if it doesn't work out well for them and their defense is still struggling, you know, this is where they could go. Similar in a way to the Flyers, if they can't score goals, this is where they could go. So the idea of Nylander for Sanheim is definitely out there. Now, so you're basically saying this is not going to happen in the offseason. This is something right. that will get talked about while the season's going on. Yeah, I would say there's like a 10% chance this happens before the season starts. But I think that in, in that would only be if someone really pushed it, probably on Toronto's side to push it. But um, and we think to, to precipitate this, you would have to have like Nolan Patrick not being able to play again. Yep. That would probably be the start of it. And then, I mean, I, I don't know how this plays. It happens before the season. Yes, that would be definitely. If, right. If and then for the season, if otherwise, though, you're looking at two, two, two weaknesses that both teams acknowledge and both teams are looking at. Right. Um, as and if they blow up, there's a place where each team, the teams could go and perhaps fix that. Um, whether or not, you know, you think it's it's fair or not. Or whether or not you think it's a it's a good. Is trade somebody line. at the door, Eck, get the doorbell. Okay, we're good. Um, so, Mike, your thoughts on uh, on that? Um, I don't doubt the interest in Neander from Philadelphia. By the way, this this rumor has been longer rumored than the yeah. uh, Luke Shen for Van Riemsdyk deal that had actually happened. But That's I don't. Think, yeah, the same kind of thing. It really feels yeah. a lot like that one actually. But uh, but I don't. I, with that one, I thought that it would happen, and it did. With this one, I, it doesn't make any sense. Because, and, not to, and not to say Sanheim is not a good defenseman because I like him a lot. I think he's a really good defenseman. But when you consider, and this, it always comes back to this act, they're strong on the left side. Yeah. Wiley, Muzzin, right. Dermott. You know, they have a lot of left-hand shot defensemen. And it's possible this year they could have two lefties playing on the right side, which is not something that they, that they want. Yeah. But, and Sanheim is a lefty. Now, if it was Philippe Myers, I would say, okay, that makes sense because he's cheap and he's big and, yeah. he, and he plays a tough game. And, you know, that would, that would make a little bit of sense. But, you know, he's up for a new contract uh, right now and he hasn't signed yet. Yeah. And I don't think Myers in and of himself would be enough for Nealander. It would probably have to be a some sort of package deal. But Sandheim for Nealander, I, I it, it doesn't it doesn't add up to me. It may, it may be true, it just doesn't add up to me. I, I do have breaking news for one of our um, free agents on the board. Okay. And and Funky's gonna hate it, but that's just the way because I saw him already bitching about the guy, Ilya Kovalchuk. Uh-huh. He just put his house on the market in New Jersey. Now, I do have to comment about this house, but I think first thing is if he's putting his house up in New Jersey, he's not coming back to New Jersey. We could right. pretty much right. or in the metro area. We could pretty much say that because he wouldn't put his house up. Yeah. He's selling it for $18 million. It's like a French chateau. But it what it, what it looks like happened here, Eck, is that they clear cut a part of the forest in northern Jersey. They built this house to look like a French chateau, but it's really a McMansion. And yeah, it's got nice, some nice, you know, um, not cobblestone, but like, yeah, it looks like cobblestone almost surrounding the place, but it looks so out of place yeah. because I'm not even sure he has neighbors. And now he's looking for 18 million for that. So I find that interesting because again, if he is doing that, I don't think he plans on being anywhere close to this area. So I think you can count out all of those teams, New York, Philly, all yeah. those teams, New Jersey. Yeah. Maybe, oh. maybe maybe Tony Soprano is going to buy it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I wonder. I mean, I, I make it, I think you can count those teams out too. I mean, I really do. And I think and I think even if I mean Kovalchuk might just be looking at the market saying this is a good time to sell too. I mean, real the reality is, you know, like if he's going to be here anywhere, he's going to be here maybe a year. So like, who knows? You know, 
it's possible that he could still sign there, but I think I'm going to say it's very minimal based on that because I don't think he would go through the trouble of this if there was really a chance of that. But you're right. I mean, anything could happen. If you yeah, I, mean, like, I mean, an $18 million house is definitely an economic decision, you know? <laughs> yeah. I mean, the question <laughs> is does right now, and, and he's also could, there's, he might be ever, he might very well be a Republican. He might be pro Trump and think that Biden, oh, Biden, Jesus. Biden, no, no, seriously, Biden's economy could crash and therefore he thinks he should sell. Oh. That's what I'm thinking. You know, that could be happening. Stuff like that, you know. I know, I know a couple of people who are doing that. You know, there's that Russian connection to Trump. Uh, no, but, but this is this is the thing. The only team in the New York area that makes sense for him is the Islanders because of Lou, because of the connection to Lou, and with the retirement of Johnny Boychuk, now uh, they have they have the cap space. They're probably going to announce the signings of guys like Matt Martin and uh, Corey Schneider and Andy Green pretty soon, and. You know, if he's if he's willing to take a veteran minimum deal, then uh, somebody will sign him. But I don't think he's willing to take a veteran minimum. I think he wants more money. I think he wants more money too, and I think he feels like he can hold out for a little while and wait until the season starts even, and and you know, and be one of those type of guys. Um, but this, so I mean, to finish off the Nylander thing, I, I'm I'm with you, Mike, that I don't think it makes a whole lot of sense right now. I understand the Sandheim playing out of position thing, although I have seen him play both sides very effectively. Um, you know, he's, he's the kind of guy who can play his off wing, you know, as a defender very effectively. Um, but still, I think that, you know, that it's, it, and it is, it would make more sense with Myers in some ways. And I know the, but the Flyers are in a weird spot where they have the Sanheim Myers combo, which is turned, which could be like a very potentially good, good combo for years to come if they keep them together. Um, and that's causing them issues, you know, in other ways and stuff like that. So I think you're, there's a lot there still to play out. Um, the whole point of it though, that, I think what you learn from it is one that, you know, nothing is in stone that, you know, Dubas is going to sit there and say, oh, we're not going to move him, but they're still having these talks. Well, I, 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 I personally believe, and I believe this, mm -hmm. I've, I've said this the last two years and I've been wrong and I admit I'm wrong, but I, I'm not going to be wrong this time. This is the last year that William Nealander will be in Toronto. If they don't have any kind of, if they, mm -hmm. if they lose in the first or second round, um, I think he will be the first of that core group that's traded because he's the most movable and they can get what they need from yeah, trading him. Now, by far, he's the most movable. Right. Now, I, you know, I don't, they don't want to trade Marner. They don't want to trade Matthews. They don't want to trade Torres. They're not going to trade either the first two. There's no way, there's no way they would ever trade Marner or Matthews, I don't think. At this point. Right. So, that's but I'm, I, I do have to do follow up on this house. So, yeah. it's eight beds, 11 baths, and three half baths. 11 bathrooms. Three half baths. That's 14 bathrooms. Well, I know, but they counted as 11 and a half for some reason. Yeah, no, I get that. But man, I, that's a lot of, that's a lot that's of, that's a lot of bathrooms. A lot of bathrooms. Man, he's and so the price. The price he's is so down. full of crap. Then he needs 11 bathrooms. The, the price is now down to 16 million. If anybody in the audience is. It would take 2 million. Yeah. You know, um, yeah, I'll look into it. We can definitely afford it. It's a house okay. that you cut the house, cut the price by 2 million. It's still ridiculous. Right. 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 He bought it for four and a half. So. Well. Yeah. He's trying to make a profit here. Mike. Okay. There's yeah, hockey. He hasn't made enough money in his career. Oh, that's, that's a pretty damn good profit, honestly, isn't it? I mean, he bought it before. If he can make it. He's already dropped two million off the price. So yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Wow, that's pretty crazy. All right, um, other trade talk. Okay, um, Barzell and the Kings. Now, Matthew, Bar I wrote, wrote yesterday about Matthew Barzell and how I felt it feels as if when you start hearing leaks about trade rumors with Barzell at this point, it's almost like. 
I've heard this before where this, these come out right before the guy signs his contract with a team. It's like they're right on the edge of getting a deal done. Right. This and is a scare, scare tactic. It's like the last thing that comes that he wants to hear. Like, you know, he's talking to his agent, his agent saying, okay, we're going to be able to have, you know, we're going to be able to have this well, done. We get this done necessarily, but wait, they might be trying to trade you. So they're trying to get over the, you know, the owners trying to get something small out of this and get them to just cave on it. Well, I, I can say this probably for Lou Lamorello, the timing of Boychuk's retirement um, it was not good for his negotiating stance with Barzil because now all of a sudden he's got $9 million in cap space and Barzil was probably saying, okay, give me my six-year deal. And I'll bet you anything the, the Islanders are trying to get Barzil to take the bridge deal like Sergachev took from yeah. Tampa Bay. And, and I'll tell you this. Yeah. Not to cut you off. Sorry, Mike. No, it's okay. I feel like if he takes the bridge deal, they're going to lose him. It won't matter that they have a new place. He, if he doesn't get his deal here and he takes a bridge deal, I'm telling you, this guy's not coming back. It's tomorrow. It's all over again. It is. And the minute he hits the market, it's not like Anders Lee. There'll be a lot of suitors for him. A lot. Anders Lee didn't have a lot of suitors. Part of this, though, and along what you're saying, Russ, it's very true, is that they are trying to see how serious he is about the Islanders, too. And, and, you know, that definitely He's still there. Like. that definitely goes on, like because you, if you sit in situations like this, you know they want to know by throwing out the trade rumors, by getting trade rumors out there, or you know by talking to other teams, mm-hmm. you, you get an idea of how much he really cares if he stays an Islander or not. Right? And I think that that's part of the thinking when you're doing a bridge deal, you're trying to get the long term concept of of you know of, of whether the guy wants to stay after the bridge deal. Now that's really a hard thing to do, obviously, because the bridge, you know, who knows what happens in those three years or whatever that he's there. Um, that can change everything. But yep. then today, it comes out that the Kings and Barzell actually were trying to work on an offer sheet concept and that there is something possibly to that. Um, and the Kings have a Kings have serious interest in Barzell has, is okay going there perhaps. So well they, that, I mean, the King the Kings have the young assets that they could trade to the Islanders. So you know like you they Turcotte and and you know Clegg and uh Velarde and all the young the young guys that they have. So I mean it's it's a it's a possibility but this is the thing. If they sign Barzil to a three-year bridge deal like Tampa signed Sergachev, then all Barzil does is go to arbitration in the in, after the three years, and then he's a UFA. And I'm telling you yeah. right now, if you think if you think that the the Islanders fans were were raising a crap fit when it came to losing Tavares, if you lose Barzil on top of it. They'll be right, they'll be running with pitchforks and 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 uh, and everything else. Yeah, for this bridge deal, he's not going to build a house on the water. He's, no. he's going to he's going to get a condo and he's going to wait it out. Yeah, this and this and and you know, um, like you talked about, um, you know what happened in Tampa. Um, you know, we're starting to see RFAs sign these these bridge deals, and that I think is going to have to happen based on this situation right now. And Yo, look, he wants to play hockey, so it'll happen. But it's not a good thing for Islander fans if he signs a, a deal like this. I'm just telling you. I mean, look look at the Islanders' uh, cap situation. Look at their roster on cap on cap central. They've locked up everybody. Yeah. You know, Bailey, Everly. They have. They have. They have. They've locked them up on five, six, seven-year deals. And if you're Barzil and then all of a sudden they're coming to you with a two-year deal or a three-year deal, I'm pissed off. Yeah, I'm going to tell you what it looks like. Money. I'm going to tell you what it looks like to that player. What it looks like to that player, like what Mike just said, is somehow they had money for all these players, and now it comes my turn, and well, they don't have it for somehow me. Somehow they had money. Somehow there was no pandemic when they signed those guys. 
I mean, it's not like we're not talking about there's an obvious reasoning. It's not like, you know, it's not rocket science to figure that one out. Yeah, but act, you can structure a deal where they're not paying a lot of money out of right. the first couple of years. You could it's, do that. No, and, they might, and they may very well do that. But they're, they're, I think the situation here is, is more is a little more complicated than that. And I also think that he might be, you know, it's very possible that if him and the Kings were working on a possible, you know, oh, offer sheet. sheet, that maybe he does want out of there. And maybe there is a trade that could be made. Now that maybe, maybe he's maybe he's toying with an offer sheet with the Kings to get the Islanders to give him a long-term deal. Very, very possible that he wants to stay on the island and he just thinks that the Islanders will match anything. Um, but tough game to play with Lou Lamorello. Um, because you know, I don't know. Lou's not Lou's Lou's very much not like the one man's our, our team type guy, you know. No, and that's why I think he'll acquiesce and sign the RFA. But I think when Lou comes to talking to him. For contract time, he's going to hit the same brick wall he hit with Tavares. Yeah. Yeah, same brick wall. Exactly. I agree. And it's and, not because either of them are a bad guy. It's because this is what happens when you don't sign your franchise players. It almost – it's hard to find one where a guy did this and signed a bridge deal that is the you know the franchise player and actually stayed there and signed a deal after. There's not that many. Yeah. Yeah. No, well, you, because – and just mainly for the reason that before, you know, that was if a guy was a franchise player, you just weren't going to do it, right? Because you know, so bridge still hurts the Islanders, you know, as much as it hurts, you know, Barzil or, or no, oh, yeah, no, no, it doesn't. No, that's, I mean, I think he, what he means is it hurts them with their bargaining in the future. Oh, yeah. He becomes a UFA after that, you right? Know, so you're kind of in this long term picture, doesn't look well, as the, okay. The, they're not they're not going to sign him to a four-year deal that would make him a ufa it's either going to be three or it's going to be you know two or three or it's going to be longer because oh, yeah. they're not gonna, they're not going to walk him right to free agency i'm sure that they're not getting any kind of if he if he signs a three-year deal i will bet you that the model that the, the contract that they will model it all over is Braden Point and Braden Point? I think is making six five. Yeah, they're yeah. going to give him six and a half for three years. No, no, that's, that's six, what five, give that's six five in Tampa. So no, I, but I still think because of the down market, he's yeah. going to get six and a half for the three years here, yeah. and I think that's what he's going to get. Yeah, right around that number. I agree. I mean, and that and that's probably you know, and it might be like you know a two year deal, something like that too. I've heard, you know, which is like really you know that would really be. Because where is he now? How far away from free agency is he now? Is he from U from UFA Barzal? Four years. Four years, right? So three years still keeps them as gives them one more year of RFA. But here's the other thing, Chuek. So again, we could say yes, there's a pandemic now, um, but we don't know if they've ever had discussions before for when this time came, and then you know nobody just acted on it because they didn't have to. That's the yeah. other things that we never you know we never know about. Well, I mean, the fact is there wasn't a pandemic last year, right. the beginning of the year when all of this started, and he they could have resigned him at any point. You know, they had right. So that's basically what I'm saying, yeah. But that's Lou. Obviously something that's, that's Lou. Lou. I agree. That that that's that's Lou's playbook because that's yeah. what he did in Toronto with Neilander. Neilander was entering his final year. They could have signed him to an extension. He said, "Play out the year," and then he left, and that he left that up to. To, to Kyle Dubas and that, you know, I think that that is essentially put the Leafs down the road of screwing them when it came to Marner and, and Matthews is the fact that Neilander held out until the end of November. And then they basically capitulated and gave him almost $7 million. And that I think now with, with the Islanders, I mean, this is your best forward. 
and you yeah. get you're you're paying the I mean until he retired you were paying Boychuk six million dollars you're paying Nick Letty who I think is close to being over the hill uh, five and a half million you're paying uh, uh, Andrew Ladd who can't even play in the NHL five and a half million how about either buying one of these guys out or or doing something to get your best player under contract for a long time. Well, here's yeah. the other thing. I mean, and this is Oliver Wallstrom included. There's nobody that drafted in the last three years that's going to get close to what Barzell is capable of doing on the ice. Right. So if right. you do lose that player, it's not like you've already drafted one that could replace him. And you say, all right, well, we have him. Like with Tavares gone, it was like, all right, well, we still have Barzell and they re-signed Lee. Fine. Um, this is a different story, folks. Yeah. And as talented as Barzell is, you know, they bring up an interesting point in the chat room that he hasn't had a 25-plus goal season yet. Because yeah. of the system he's playing under. You change, you change that system, he'll have a lot more points than that. Yeah, but, I mean, the Islanders, I mean, he hasn't – yeah, I mean, I guess he's always been under a pretty much a defensive system. Yeah. yeah. He's playing He's playing under Barry Trotz. Yeah, no, right now he's playing under Barry Trotz for sure. I mean, remember, he had 85 points when he wasn't with Barry Trotz. Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, then it dropped to sixty-two and sixty. Yeah, I mean, you watch him; he's dominant out on the ice. He'll the be back to eighty-five points if he's not in that kind of system again. He was yeah. willing to play that kind of system because he wants to win a Stanley Cup, but he's not going to be willing to play that system if it's going to hurt his contract. And that's the other part of this thing. Yeah, and that's a, maybe a bigger part. Maybe why LA looks a little more interesting. Yeah, because you know they're going to they're going to play a much more open. Yeah. Wide out there let's get to some other uh let's go to the rumor chart a little bit today um because there's some i did update a bunch of players on the rumor chart today okay um and uh wanted to get to that so let me bring up some names here we'll do this for the show um all right so we're going to start with these guys um the two our two favorites <laughs> like the, the, the stars of the stars that are left right now that are really the best two players out there right now and um you know an interesting thing over the last few bits here um has been the mike hoffman the Pittsburgh talk, which I've picked up on over the last like three or four days, um, as a as a place that you know again Hoffman goes there for a year. You know, the Penguins need something up like something like this. You know, I really think that I do think the Penguins could use this as, as like a as a morale booster for them. Well, okay, because I just looked up on on Cap Central, uh, the Penguins have a million three in cap space. Right. So if he's if he's going to Pittsburgh, this is like. You know, there have been players who have gone for much less to basically get set up for a big contract. And maybe Hoffman goes and plays with Crosby and yeah. scores 40, go you know, 40 goals. And then he goes and tries to get the big money. But I, he can get more money someplace else. I mean, the, the downside with Columbus is, is he going to score 40 goals in Columbus? Probably not. Yeah, yeah. And, and Columbus, you know, I've heard – it's gone up and down on whether or not they're really interested in him or not. It seems like they are more interested in him now than they were, but they're as a Nyquist. Yeah. Nyquist, Nyquist is added to that, obviously. But um, I, I think that, you know, I mean, what Hoffman gets out of there, Mike, I mean, they, they would definitely have to clear some space. They're not going to get him for a million dollars. You know, right. they could get him for maybe, maybe four and a half, uh, maybe, maybe four and a half to five. If Yeah. It would have to be in that range because he hasn't made a ton of money in his career. And he, and he is known for being this type of player. And if he didn't have a great season, he's committing um, career suicide because it's not like the rope. The market's not robust for Hoffman, even if it's a good year. So now it's less robust. I, if I'm him, I'm taking term over this. I would stay away from this. Well, if I were his agent, that's what I would tell him to do too. Yeah. 
the the talk is is that Kasperi Kapanen is going to play on the top line with Crosby. Yeah. Um, I don't know if that's a good fit. I think a guy like Hoffman would be a much better fit because he's much, fit. much like, more of a scorer. But you know, more of a cycler too, like a cycling type player. He is a cycler, but but Cap Cap uh, Kasperi Kapanen's a lot faster than Hoffman. Yes. And but, they Pittsburgh may be looking to get faster on their top line. That's true. But I think that with with Crosby, the one thing that you know has worked best, you know, like guys like Chris Kunitz and things like that, who have worked best with him, are guys who can play like a dirty game as well. Yeah, can, yeah. Can go low and, and uh, Connor, Sherry, Jake Gensel. Yeah. Yeah, Crosby's goals are not necessarily, and Crosby points are not usually off the rush as much as most people would think. You know, like yeah. he's, he's more cycling guy. Arguably one of the most effective wingers with Crosby besides Kunitz was Pascal Dupuis. He's not exactly right, 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 right. right. Uh, it just matters if you can you know Kaufman, you know, creates some space with for Crosby, which is what you need, you know, or you know, Crosby creates space for Hoffman, you know, either way, depending on how you look at it. It's tough to right. Rick, let me ask you a more obvious question, and that is why isn't a team like the Devils in on them? Just because they don't want to spend any more money? Yeah, I mean, at this point, I mean, why I aren't they? they couldn't use scoring? No, they could. I mean, and I don't know why they're not on him. And he'd be a good guy to play with Hughes. Like, if you want to in the San Jose too. And I thought about San Jose as well, but I haven't been able to get any any thought from San Jose. I mean, obviously, there's connections there with the coach in Florida, but all that stuff. But I think that, no, I don't see any – I haven't heard it, been able to hear anything from New Jersey on him and anything from San Jose on him until this point. I would I, I would doubt Buffalo uh, simply because he, he right now would not have a top six position with the Sabres. Yeah, he would not. Play, he would not play in their top six. The top six right now is Eichel and Stahl at center, uh, um, uh, Skinner and and Taylor Hall on the on the le- on the left side, and Sam Reinhart and Olsen on the on the right side. And it, it seems like Columbus is just willing to go into the season with what they've got. I don't think they're doing anything else. Right. As of now, yes. Um, I think a lot of that depends on how the season is negotiated um, for them. Um, Vatanen, on the other hand, um, you know, here's and the team that's contrary to the Calgary, and I think the Calgary is, is, you know, the other teams we've talked about before with them. Well, I think Calgary makes a lot of a lot of sense because obviously they, you know, Hamannik, they didn't resign him. Brody went to Toronto. Um, they, you know, they do have a good top three, you know, hand with Hannafin, uh, and and Giordano, and uh, you know, they're, I mean. Rasmus Anderson and they added Tanev, but their bottom their bottom pairing is a little weak. Valamaki's coming off an ACL injury. Uh, Shillington is an RFA, so I mean he would improve the depth. They could move Tanev or move Anderson down to the bottom pairing if they added Vatnin. So that makes a lot of sense. But I don't think I don't think Florida makes the. If you look at Florida's depth chart on the blue line act, they're six deep. I I, I don't know where he plays. They are, but I don't know. I don't know that they're all going to be there. You know, like I, I, I really, I'm not convinced still that Yandel's going to remain in Florida. Okay, well, if they trade Yandel, then yes, they're 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 you know then they're in the market for somebody. But right now, it's Ekblad, Yandel, Strawman, Uyghur, Nudavara, and Gudis. Yeah, and I, I think it's not great, but it's but it's sitting. Move. I think you're going to see some better than it was. They have to move one of those. They have to move Yandel for some scoring. Basically, they they really. I mean, when you think of what they've lost scoring wise. I mean, you know, they lost that enough. They're lo- they're yeah. lo- they're losing Hoffman. They're not a team, you know, that can afford to lose that much scoring. I mean, that, that's no. Your- I agree with that. Although they have guys, I think Lundell will be there once either once his season ends or if he has a, a parachute out. I think they're going to have him parachute out. Owen Tippett 
will probably make it this year, and he's got a hell of a shot. So they do have some where they can get some scoring back. I think you should look to Zito to do a little bit of what he did in Columbus, which is that, Russ, which is bringing guys like that and give them them real significant roles. I mean, you might as well. I mean, at this point – it worked for them, and uh, I think it could work. It work. It could work here too. I think that's part of what was attractive to Florida for Zia. Yeah. The but, type of players existed there. But Yandel's got a no move clause, and he's thirty four years old. Yeah, so those are two pretty tough uh, hurdles to jump. Yeah, uh, they are. They are. Unless you and, find. And I think if Vatnin goes to Ottawa, he is literally going for the paycheck. Yeah, there's no other reason to go there. Yeah, or or you know, short term to like to pick up some points and pick up some pick up some power play time. I mean, you can see if he goes there, if Vienna's out and Vatnin's in, Vatnin becomes a power play guy for you, right? So, but he wouldn't be the power play guy because they have um, Shabbat. He would be like the secondary power play guy. I'm just bringing this up. On, uh, Way better he is. I'm just bringing oh, Florida. Sorry, I was talking about Florida. You were talking about Ottawa. Oh, oh, gotcha. Right, got, yeah, yeah, I agree with you on that Ottawa. Yeah, sorry. I'm just bringing this up from the chat because. Uh, um, Kevin mentioned on Friday about uh, again Tyler Johnson and and Tampa yeah. Tampa situation after the, the Sergachev signing that you know they have some move that they have in their pocket that they wouldn't like to make but that they will make and yeah. and he was drawing the conclusion that it was Tyler Johnson and that's all we've heard the last couple months but yeah. uh, again Elliot Friedman said that the name out there is Alex Kalorn and, yeah I, I do I've heard that a little bit too um, yeah he's a sports guy that's for sure. Yeah, I think I think Kaloran Kaloran brings them is is, is easier to move than Johnson. Um, they lose more than they lose with Johnson, obviously. Right. He's well, a, yeah, because Kaloran's contract is up soon too. So yeah. he's got a couple years, I think. Yeah, and, and he's a really he's a real key player on their team. And you know, part of the whole concept of they got tougher and stronger, and that's what helped them win the Stanley Cup. Kaloran's really tied into that. He's got three years left at four point four million. I mean, honestly, the the reason here is. Is that Johnson's contract, five million for four years, is immovable? Is hard to. Move. Do you have um, Hamannick on this list? No, I don't. I not. I'm not up top here now. Okay. Because I am hearing rumors, and I'm not hearing them. I'm seeing them, and it's not. Yeah. This has nothing to do with me, but I'm seeing on right. the net, um, Hamannick with the Oilers. It would make sense. Yeah. Yeah, I've heard I've heard him with Winnipeg and, and Edmonton, but I haven't. I, he's he's um I haven't heard his name very often lately. And it's Western Canada, so it makes yeah, sense. Yeah. Yeah. I could see that happening. There's a couple of players here. Um, for Lee, who has been really not mentioned too much. Um, Alan Walsh hasn't mentioned him really. Yeah, um, I've suddenly <laughs> heard him. I've heard a lot of a lot of talk with him in Chicago. Sounds seems like a Chicago type of move to me. Well, yeah. he's been there before, so you yeah. probably go there cheap and. It didn't work out for him in Calgary and Buffalo last year. He was horrific, yeah. horrific in Buffalo. Yeah. Um, for sorry, it's still the Islanders for sure. Um, but the interesting thing is is Vancouver's movement on Broussard lately. Um, that I've heard that you know they are looking. No, they don't have a lot of space. We've talked about that as well. Right. But um, I guess he has some kind of connection out there too, doesn't he? Broussard is he from that area? I was hearing something. No, he's, he's from Quebec, I believe. Yeah, he's a Quebec guy. Yeah. Juniors out there or something? I'm not sure. There's something, or I, I heard. I heard there was some connection to that team with him. I wasn't sure. Someone said it to me, and I was embarrassed to not know what it was. Oh, okay. Hoping you guys help me out there because he's there. Yeah, you know, Broussard and his connection to Vancouver, that kind of thing. I mean, he so. played in Drummondville. I don't know if there's anybody from Drummondville. Yeah, I, I will have to figure it out. I'll, I'll, I'll find out for sure. I'll ask. I'll just it's got. It's got to be something. Maybe on the coaching staff, whether it's yeah, there's some kind of connection. Whether I mean, it's I'm looking, uh, he he played in Syracuse. I don't see anybody 
on the coaching staff from there. Yeah. I mean, the Islanders are still obviously the place that he wants to play and they, and they want him. Um, but the question is, is obviously very much tied up in Barzil and, and what we ha what happens next there, you know? So if they can get him, if, if the Islanders can get him, they'll get him. Uh, the Bruins are an interesting one too, I think with them, with him, I think they would make, he would make sense there as well. I could see the Bruins going for Broussard. Seems like a Bruin type player too. Fourth line center, third line winger type of thing. Well, we'll ignore Nylander for a second, just because we talked about that already. But, um, Athanasiu, um, the rumors of him and the Islanders have been out there before. Oh boy. And, wow. and, you know, at minimum, it would obviously be a really low number to go there. Well, okay. He's got to basically, basically take a low number and go somewhere and prove he can do something. The set, the second team on the list would be more of a, more of a place that would yeah. roll the dice on him because I don't think they expect to win. Uh, it would be like an Anthony Duclair situation where Duclair went to Ottawa and, and, lit it up and now I mean, obviously we know the situation he's in right now but you know there are opportunities there to play i i do russ i don't see a you and his sort of wanderlust type of game working with barry trotz no i don't either i this thing about trotz though in that and before you before you i mean it's not it's obviously not what you would think of with trotz but trotz is one of those guys that that plays the defensive style but doesn't mind having like one or two of those type of guys on his team that are just pure offense. They players. still have to be able to play some defense. Yeah, yeah. Maybe he thinks he could. Maybe you know. I mean, he the trots, you know, converted Ovechkin. You know, in his mind, so he can convert anybody. Maybe. Well, Ovechkin is a little different than than some of these other guys. But if that were the case, they would have converted Hosang, and they didn't even try. Yeah, yeah. Um, we talked about Barzell, um, and uh, but Anthony Duclair. Um, there was a lot of talk, you know, that he was going to just go back to Ottawa again, and now the word is that. Edmonton's got a serious interest in him. Um, I don't know how they would do it again. I'm not, you know, I'm not here trying to figure out their uh, cap situations. I'm just reporting on what I hear. So, well, I mean, it has to be on the promise that he's going to play either with McDavid or 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 Dreisaitl if Dreisaitl right. is up the middle. I mean, otherwise, see, that's that's the thing. You're investing in yourself. It's sort of, and this yeah. is at a much lower scale. But a guy like Tyler Ennis went to Toronto on a veteran minimum deal, had a good year as a fourth liner, and turned it into another contract. He turned it into two contracts because then he went to Edmonton and he resigned with them. Right. You do that for one year when you're young enough, like Duclair going to Edmonton, and the only way it pays off is if you're playing in their top six. And I, you know, on that team, I think it's possible that he plays on their top. But you know what? Everybody makes excuses why they don't sign Duclair, right. and he can have 65 points with with uh, McDavid and still be in this situation next year. It would right, because people them. will say it's a creation of McDavid. Correct. Apparently, he has been working out with McDavid. Someone just texted me, which I didn't know. That they are that they are working out together in the same place in Arizona somewhere where Matt Matthews and McDavid worked out. Yeah, yeah, and I guess Duclair was there with them. So, you know, it's it possible that McDavid went back and said, "I think this guy can play. I think we should bring him." I mean, he, I think Jan Ruch is with them too. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Duclair didn't. Um, Duclair definitely can impress you with his skills. You know, like yeah. I mean, look, there's nothing he can't do offensively on the ice, but for some reason, teams have repelled him and. Anytime I see him, he's effective as hell. Yeah. So, Russ, Martin Marinson was there because they ran short of pylons. A <laughs> uh, couple more names and we'll get out of here. Michael Granlund and Eric Halla. Um, Granlund uh, is, 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 you know, one of the better scorers out there. Kind of like people are. Oh, uh, I don't know. He's so, he's, 
he is fool's gold at this point. He, he, he really is. He didn't do himself any favors in Nashville. No, no. He, didn't. he definitely didn't. He definitely didn't for sure. But but there are some people who still believe in him. I think. Uh, I true. think. I think. I think Columbus makes the most sense because you could put him on a line with Koivu there on the same yeah. on the third line, and you know there'd be some familiarity there that make and you know Yarmo with the Finnish connection. Maybe maybe there's a. I don't see Buffalo. I don't see Vancouver because it's simply because of cap reasons. Yeah, Vancouver must have something else going on for them to be coming up in rumors all of a sudden. My thinking is, you know, that they are trying to, they have perhaps gotten somebody to take that Erickson contract off them, but that would be, that's their, that's within their main goal. And if, you know, we'll see what that Or, or they found somebody to take Brandon, Brandon Sutter or Pearson or yeah. some, you know, one of the, yeah. or Sven Barchi and one of the, one of the short term guys. One point in four playoff games. I, when I was in that locker room a couple of times around the Winter Classic time, he was as quiet as a church mouse in that locker room, man. And for the kind of player that he could have been, I just I'm, – I'm not giving him much. I'm not. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, I don't believe in him anymore. Eric, I, I, Eric, and I was going to say before that was that I do think you'll, we're going to see once this – once the plan is announced, we're going to see a very a big flurry of things. Uh, Flurry of trades, a flurry of yeah, um, I can see that. So I'm kind of you know it's kind of an, a weird, we're well, in a really weird hurry up and wait rumor mode right now because I'm talking to, I'm trying to get as much as I can from people, and everyone will talk, but no one, nothing seems imminent because nothing's going to happen until that happens. Well, I have a I have a little game that we can play tomorrow um, on. You know, we can predict the restricted free agents. But if you look at the unsigned restricted free agents, and these are the guys like Barzil who who don't have arbitration rights and yep. can be offer sheeted. You know, Blackwood with New Jersey, Dubois with uh, with Columbus, Bars. Yeah. There are five, five or six really big names that are not signed. I know. And, you know, the, either they have a, a a deal signed in a drawer somewhere, and they're just going to spring it when the when the de- when the con- when the season is cleared up, or they're still haggling. And if they're still haggling, you know that that's not a good sign. Here, yeah. here's the weird thing about Granlinek. In his first 17 games last year, he had four points. Then when they came back, when they came back and played in the bubble, he literally had one, two points in all of those games, which looks to be like another 10 games. Like, yeah, there's nothing there. I'm telling you, there's a little something there, but I'm, I'm giving him two million bucks and or otherwise I'm telling yeah. them to hit the bricks. Yeah, I agree with that. Agreed very much so. Uh, finally- was a different story because I do think, yeah, there, there are teams that can use him. He's good on faceoffs. He plays some defense. Uh, I don't think Pittsburgh can afford him. I don't think Columbus would want him, but I don't know. Uh, I, again, Pittsburgh, it really feels like Rutherford is trying to do. I mean, if he makes a move and gets Halla, that would be smart because I do think it's something that they're missing, but it's going to be hard for him to to want to take whatever they offer him. Yeah, although there's a, playing for Pittsburgh, you know, there there is a, there is a draw. For him, it could be a plus I because I, he's never really – He's had like one really good year. He's never done but much more than that. I see. I I, I I get the feeling, and maybe I'll be wrong, but I get the feeling that when whatever is announced is announced, you're, I think you're right, Act, that you're going to see a flurry of things. Oh, yeah. But I think a lot of teams are going to be bargain basement shopping. And yeah. a lot of these guys who we think are going to make $4 million, $3 million, yeah. may end up taking a, like a one-year deal at 800000 because they just want to find some place to play. I, I wouldn't be shocked. Yeah, like Broussard, I think, is going to be one of the last guys signed. I do. Yes. 
Yeah, I do. I do too. And I, I, I mean, mainly the Islanders have so much they have to do beyond him too. Um, and if and if they have the impression, like Lou, Lou, Lou went to all these RFAs for sure and said, "Do you want to stay here?" And if they have the impression he really wants to stay here, then you know, then Lou will hold off on it because he'll and he'll tell the guy, "You're gonna, I'm gonna, you know, give you at least this much." They'll have they'll have a deal already figured out. It's very possible that that is the case with Broussard. I really think. Hold on, there's some some breaking news here. Um, now here's where I'm gonna play dumb. It says that this is like coming from the Toronto Star. Bettman sprung the MOU. What is the MOU? Mo um, um, something of understanding. Um, a, mo a memo of understanding. Memo of understanding. Thank you. Yeah. Um, on the board of governors who unanimously endorsed it, it's believed some voted merely on Bettman's recommendation. Now, having subsequently read it after it passed, some are unhappy with it. This is not good news, Zach. Memorandum of understanding. Yeah, yeah, but that's but, fine. We were close. But, 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 well, see, this is the this is the thing that I heard, again heard yesterday from from uh, Friedman and Merrick's uh, podcast. The owners, some owners in the NHL are also owners in the NBA. They saw the the collective bargaining agreement that basketball arranged with their players. Saw that it was a much better deal negotiated than the NHL deal, and at that point got pissed off. Yeah. So. Kevin McGran wrote the article, so we know it's a it's a good writer. Uh, yeah, very good writer. You know, this is like there's a lot of this is going to muddy it up now because now we know even people who signed the deal don't like the deal. Part of that though, it, it feels negotiation to me. Like it feels because right. whenever I hear something like that, I feel like okay, you know, if you're negotiating, you're like I'm saying, well, listen, man, I would like to give you that, but already the owners don't like the deal we have in place. You know, the owners yeah. are in love with that. So I mean. If it, I, I, I want to, I want to dig more into it today and see what I can find. But that feels like feels to me like a, a play a little bit. Batman, Batman has always operated with like the unanimous power of ownership behind him, and if he right. all of a sudden it seems like he's got uh, feet of clay, and and uh, you know they, he doesn't have the support, then that we can seem like his support has minimalized. Yeah, with this little break, and so yeah, I think you're right, Mike. I think. Everybody went with it like, yeah, this is we don't have much choice here. Let's sign this deal. But now that they've had plenty of time to look at it, now all of a sudden they don't like the deal. Well, and suddenly if he says that, now the players are like, well, geez, we're trying to get more out of that deal, and now the owners don't already like what's there, so that could be a problem for us. You know that that if I'm the player's side, that's because the, the owners have well, already it depends, actually, have agreed I'm to it. The owners have agreed to it. Get, so that is that's not something that they can change, from what I understand. It's not. No, gonna, no, no. But but. I get what you're saying where you would say, all right, the players might feel like that's a opening for them. The problem is if this is now split as to half the owners like what they signed, half don't, then just getting any other decision, meaning a change in this could be nearly impossible. Right. And, and remember what the NHL wants. That's what, that's what the NHL wants. That's why the NHL yeah, wants. Yeah, but that's not what the players want. Right. And, re and remember, we, you know, we've heard over the last, I'd say, month or so, there are a sizable amount of owners who think it would be more beneficial if they don't play at all because their losses would be less. Yeah, and again, that's again, you know, negotiation stuff. So I, I do agree. I do agree that you know what they're what what they're going to try to do here is is not what you wanted on a Monday. Let's put it this way: on a Monday of a week that you were hoping to hammer out an agreement. I, yeah, no, it's not. A this great is not what you want to start off that week. No, unless unless you're looking at it to. 
you, you'd rather hear stuff like this than not hear stuff like this in some ways as from our perspective because we want to actually get this thing moving because this is part of negotiation and this means that something is happening that means that somebody something has been discussed that the players have talked about that the owners don't like and well, here's so more info on it Eck. not to interrupt but yeah. this is actually very interesting and it's something we've talked about and it's worthy of kicking around again for a minute. Yeah. Grant said it would probably cost each team at least around $150 million to operate without fans for a season, factoring in payrolls, travel, employees, league dues. It's believed some have told Bettman they would be financially better off not playing. Now, if that number is higher than like four or five than we think, which it might be from when they were having those meetings, then we've got a problem. Right. That, they knew, but that, they knew that before they agreed to the memorandum of understanding. Oh, I don't know if they knew – it would they go. Knew, they, knew, they, they, already, they already knew what it would cost them to play with. No, that they game. knew it was possible, but I don't yeah. know if they believed it was really going to happen. Like I said, when they signed yeah. the, you know what I mean. There's a difference yeah, I there. Know you're, I know what you're saying, and that's not on Batman. That's just life. When they signed right. the CBA in July, they thought if the season started in November or December, that there would be fans. Correct. And now we're starting in January, and they may not be fans until March or right. April. That's optimistic. Exactly. And that's the way the world is. So that changed. So now yeah. that that changed, if there were four or five owners that didn't like the deal, but just signed on with it, hoping that what Mike said was going to happen, right. now there might be like 10 or 12 that don't want to play. Exactly. I do agree. That, I do agree that. And this is why I talked about last week, I talked about with the whole concept of luxury tax and stuff like that. They are, yeah. there are teams that are they're afraid aren't going to be able to, are going to, are going to balk on this and they have to come up with a way to get those teams money. So they're trying to figure out, you know, a revenue sharing, beyond what their normal revenue sharing is and owners the owners and shall hate revenue sharing like every everyone's business you know so and, and that's why advertising or expanded playoffs might be something that raises yeah. revenue i think i think expanded playoffs will be a, like i think that's a definite i think that's going to happen i don't think there's any question about it like i think that that has to be it's it's easy it's easy it's obvious it makes everybody wins the players want it the owners want it you know yeah. um like i said the only people who don't really want it are like the purists the nhl purists whatever Gary Batman doesn't Here's the other opinion, sorry, that Kevin said. So, you yeah. know, back on the other deal, it took them 13 days from getting a deal to get the season going in the pandemic, right? So that yeah. they did that. But now he's saying <clears throat> it'll take longer for quarantine and everything, predicting similar timeline. He says a deal reached early January for a season starting early February and wrapping up late June. So if they don't get on it quick, we might see that 48-game season. And I just thought of this, Russ, yeah. since everything is going to be intra-division, meaning you're going to play against the six or seven teams in your division, Yeah. with Canada having a 14-day quarantine, you could see the U.S.-based teams start on Jan earlier January and the, and the Canadian teams starting later because of the quarantine. Yeah, it's possible. True. True. That's definitely been discussed. I heard that for sure. That's definitely been discussed. Well, interesting stuff, guys. Thank you so much. Uh, and thanks for watching, Hockey Buzz Guest. Um, we'll be back again tomorrow. So uh, remember, folks, without the buzz, it is just hockey. We lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.